This is recording number 10952 from the teaching ministry of Crossroads Community Church in Fairfield, California. It was recorded on Sunday morning, November 13, 2011. This message by Randy Bolt is titled, Be Filled with the Spirit. So Ephesians chapter 5. And uh, so as, as I was preparing to talk about Thanksgiving, I came to this passage here. I was considering this passage because part of it talks about giving thanks. But it really turned into a lot more than that. And uh, that doesn't mean that it's going to take a long time to, to do this this morning, so don't be frightened. But it just means that the subject matter expanded in my mind and heart in a way that I felt like it was the Lord. And so I'm going to ask you to start reading with me at verse 18, or follow along with me. Actually, I'm going to back up and start at verse 15 so that we get the, the, a running start on this passage, okay? Verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, or carefully is what that word means. See then that you walk or live Carefully. Not as fools, but as wise. Now you're going to see this as we move through these verses. This, this uh, seesaw. Don't do this, do this. Not as this, as this. Several times. So it says, walk or live carefully, not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Redeeming means buying up, taking full advantage of. How many of you are really on top of your game when it comes to time management? No one? Surprise, surprise. <clears throat> buying up, seizing, taking full advantage of every moment because, he says, the days are evil. That word evil can be translated, translated malignant. Wouldn't that be a, an adequate or a, a, an appropriate a definition of the times in which we live? Where there, it seems that uh, life is just being eaten away a little at a time. Every, any way you want to define life, being eaten away. A little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit there. And so, Paul, under, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to the Christians in Ephesus, he says to them... Because it was as true for them as it is for us. Don't be a fool. Be wise. Redeem the time. Buy it up. Seize every moment. Fill every moment with purpose and meaning. Because the days in which we live are malignant. If you don't live wisely. If you don't live carefully. Life will get away from you. It will be not only squandered. But eaten away. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. You know, I, this is the, the thing, I, this, this idea of discerning what the will of the Lord is, is the thing that uh, makes up most of my prayer life in this way. I'm always saying, God, what is your will? I'm always asking that question. As a pastor, that's the number one question I get asked 
And there's never a day that, that someone doesn't ask it of me. I, Pastor, what do you think the Lord's will for me is in this situation? Because I've prayed and prayed and I'm not getting an answer. Lord, what do you think, or Pastor, what do you think the Lord's will is for me? We want to know. But I've got to tell you something. I just have to believe that we have a God in heaven who's not hiding this information from us. He's not torturing us. He's not saying, well, if you, you know, if you shout loud enough or if you read the Bible long enough or, you know, if you have the, the right uh, attire or, I don't know, stand on your head and spit green ice cubes. That's what my dad used to say. I don't know where he got that from. But <laughs> if, you, if, you do, if you do the whatever it is, then maybe I'll tell you what my, my will is. I, I don't think we have a God in heaven like that. I think he wants for us to know. And I think the evidence of that is the book you hold right in your hands right there. It's interesting to me, though, how people will come to me desperate to know the will of God. I'll say, well, how, how much do you read the Bible? Um, not so much. I'd rather you tell me the will of the Lord. Well, <laughs> yeah, you know what? It's like... It's like uh, uh, we were headed towards, a, well, maybe, maybe I'll tell you about that in a little bit, but we were headed somewhere last night and I was using one, a printout of a MapQuest map. Now, my, one of my sons-in-law who was with us said, who uses MapQuest anymore? <laughs> Me, I guess, but anyway. Anyway, I'm following this, these directions and it turned out that they weren't quite accurate when they got close to the destination. But you know what? I was 90% the way there before I had to call for help or rely on the help of someone else. The book that you hold in your, there in your hands, it may not deal with, with some of the really um, sp specific things that you are trying to discern God's will in right now, but it will get you 90% there. Don't neglect this. And so that's why Paul says, uh, don't be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. So you see how this seesaw goes back and forth. And when he talks about not being drunk with wine, of course he's talking about not being drunk with wine. But he's also talking about all of the other ways that we self-medicate. All of the other ways that we try to deal with the pains in our life. And there are lots of them. We, we can use anything from a relationship to a pill to a, an activity. We, we, there's lots of... We, you know, I'll talk to people about... Uh, or sometimes people will seek me out because they're, they're discovering some area of pain in their life. And I will often ask them, how are you dealing with it? Because we all deal with it. One way or another, we all deal with it. Most of the time, not in the best or helpful ways. Actually, ways that end up causing that pain to be more uh, deeply inscribed in our hearts, usually. The things that we think are relieving that pain, the activities, the relationships, the, the substances that we are using to try to deal with that pain, as we do, it actually deepens that engravement on our lives. And Paul is saying, let's don't do that. Instead, let's be filled with the Spirit. And that's what I want to, that's the theme of this message. That's what I want to focus in on today, be filled with the Spirit. Most of you know I have a, a Starbucks addiction. 
It's what I use to deal with my life's pains. And they just remodeled my, my Starbucks store. It was very cool to go in there yesterday. Oh, that's beside the point. I'm sorry. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, I go to this, uh, to this one store every day, although there's one on every corner, it seems like. But I go to this particular one because they give me more than I ask for. You know, I, 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 I am a, a broken record. I go in there every day. I ask for the same thing. Grande coffee frappuccino light. And so a grande is a certain size cup, in case you are the one person in the world that's not familiar with this stuff. But what they do, and then, then they have, you know, usually these frappuccinos are all, you know, got, they got syrup and uh, uh, whipped cream and all this stuff. And then they have this big dome cap that sits on top of there, right, if you take it to go. And, uh, but I just get the straight, no syrup, no nothing, you know, uh, no flavor, <laughs> you know, uh, Frappuccino light. And so it typically comes with a, a flat cap on it because there's no, there's no uh, uh, whipped cream or anything. But what they do is they put extra on there and then they give me the dome cup on top to contain it, right? So this word here that says be filled with the Spirit, it really means, I'm not kidding you, it means cram. Be crammed full with the Holy Spirit. Get as much shoved in there as you possibly can. Be filled with the Spirit. Now, sometimes people will ask me, well, what the heck does that mean? And you know what? We, we could go, we could spend all day talking about the theological and doctrinal implications of what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But it's so simple, really. At the base of it, it just means to be filled up with God. You all know, I don't, need to, I don't need to belabor the point, you all know that there's a lot of stuff that gets poured into your life in the course of a day. And Paul says, start turning off those faucets and let the Spirit of God, God himself, because the Holy Spirit is God, the third person of the Trinity. Let God fill you, every part of you, your thoughts, your actions, your words, your aspirations, your desires. But here's what we do, and I'm not blaming anybody because I'm guilty of this. Here's what we do. We say, okay, that's enough. <laughs> that's enough. Had enough. I don't want to get too spiritual here. How weird is that? How weird is that? Paul says here, be crammed full. Every stinking corner of your life, let the Holy Spirit fill you. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's almost like we're afraid. It's almost like we're a little fearful of what it would be like if I was just open to the Spirit of God. Might make me some strange or weird person. I don't know if I want to go there. Maybe in terms of the world it might make you a strange or weird person. But who cares about that? When I stand before God one day. <laughs> it won't be anywhere in my mind. What anybody else thinks except 
him. And when Matt was singing or performing, I don't even know what you call that, rapping for us, whatever it was he was doing. Slam poetry. Slam poetry. <laughs> I didn't see any slamming, but okay. Slam poetry. When Matt was doing that and, and he was describing this you know, passionate pursuit of God, I said when he was done, I want that. Every day, I want to be passionately pursuing God. Lord, open the spigot and don't turn it off. Be filled with the Spirit. Stop messing around with all this other stuff that doesn't work. Don't be drunk with wine. Because in in that pursuit is dissipation. The word dissipation, you've heard it before. Dissipate means kind of uh, be uh, washed out or washed away. When we pursue these other things, we get lost. The the person God made us to be, the desires and plans that he had before we were born for who I would be, get drowned out, diluted. Don't be drunk with wine in which is dissipation. Be filled with the Spirit. On the other hand, when I am filled with the Spirit, that's when I find who I really am. And I live the life that God intended for me to live. And then he goes on to talk about some of the things that happen when, to us and in us and through us when we open our hearts to the Spirit of God, to be filled with the Spirit. It says in verse 19, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Being filled with the Spirit restores the poetry to our lives. I, I love music. I, I, all my life I have loved music and I can get carried away. I can just be taken. I can be transported by music. I can, I can find, it's like it seeps into my bones somehow and just, I'm captured by it. And I believe that, you know, some of us are more uh, musically oriented than others. But listen, it's not a mistake that God made you, he gave you standard equipment in your body are a couple of musical instruments. All of us have a rhythm section. All of us, every one of us, have a a vocalization, a melody instrument. And look, every band is made up of just those two things. You are a walking band. (laughs) That's not a mistake. When the Bible talks about God, often it talks about Him as being someone who is not only receiving Musical worship, but one who dances over his children with joy. He's the author. When you read this book, there are tons of songs in here that come really from the heart of God, channeled through, you know, different people. David, and, and when I say channel, I don't mean in the sense of the, you know, the... Well, you know what I mean. I don't mean that. <laughs> I mean, our God loves music. He, 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 he created it and he made us to be people who are um, 
sensitized by, who are, who are uh, drawn into, who are, who are at home in music. Yesterday, my, my, this is crazy. Uh, you, I mean, you may think that I'm, I'm crazy when I say this, but I'm telling you the absolute truth. My oldest daughter plays roller derby. She's sitting right back there. Now, I don't know if that's the right way to say play. I mean, it's not, I mean, it's like these guys are out there, girls, I, mean, I should say. They're out there. Uh, it's, like, it's like being in a football game with about a third of the padding on wheels. And so it's an amazing thing. I, I had never been to one of her bouts, they call them, until uh, last night. Anyway, long story about that. But I just, I loved it. It was great. But on the way there, my other daughter and her family with it were with us. We were all packed in our uh, minivan. And my grandson, who's three years old, just started singing. Just singing away. And uh, he, he didn't get the words right. I, the melody was nowhere in sight. But without hesitation, just singing away every song he knows. My wife always tells me that she can tell when I'm doing well because I sing. I, I lose, I don't, I don't, uh, I'm not aware of it. That the song goes out of my life in direct proportion to my, my, uh, I don't even know how to describe it. My coming under the weight of just everyday life. You know, the more that weight presses in on me, the more song goes away. And when that begins to lift, it's like the exact opposite happens. And she'll, tame, she'll say, I heard you singing today. You must be doing pretty good. That's true. That's true. I'm not aware of it. I don't intend for that. It just happens. The life that we live this, in, this, in these times that are malignant strip us of the symmetry, the balance the rhythm, the rhyme, the meter, the harmony, the melody that God intended for life to hold for us. And when we are filled with the Spirit, that returns. Restores the poetry to our lives. Verse 20 says, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Giving thanks always for all things. I think that this uh, passage uh, hinges on a really tiny word, three letters, F-O-R. And most people ha really have a tough time with us because, because most of us have stuff that we are not thankful for. Do you? But, but this verse says that when I'm filled with the Spirit, I'm giving thanks always for all things. So we have a little conflict about this in our hearts. At least I do. I'll speak for myself. Because I go to God and I say, God, I... How can I be thankful for that? It's horrible. It's wretched. It's evil. It's ruining people. 
How can I, how can I be thankful for that? There's, there's some sort of disconnect here. What am I not getting? And I think what I'm not getting is this preposition. The word for. In the original language means over. Over. Giving thanks always over all things. To God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And as I was pondering that, I started to realize I, I can do that. When I, when I see the reports of people starving in sub-Saharan Africa, I can thank God over that. Not for it, not... God, I'm thank you that thank you that these people are starving. How, what that makes no sense. That's not what Paul was admonishing the Ephesians to do. But he was saying, let's let's assert the lordship of Jesus over that. God, I thank you that you are greater than that. You are more powerful than that. You can change that. The stuff that's happened to me that I'm not so grateful for. God, that's just tearing away at my heart and at my life. I'm not thankful that that happened. I'm not thankful that I did that. I'm not thankful that they did that. But I thank you over that. You are over that. You are greater than that. And by my gratitude in who you are, I take authority over that thing. That situation, that circumstance. I assert your authority over that. Giving thanks always over all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. When the Spirit of God, when the Holy Spirit is filling our lives, the pain in our souls begins to dissipate and there is this capability of being grateful for to God in the midst of everything and anything whatever it is that has you may have assaulted some tender area of your life something somebody said did you know those wounded places in our lives as the Holy Spirit begins to fill us, it, his, the, his fullness displaces that pain. It has no place to be in our lives. And we find that we can be grateful to God. Not for what happened, but over what happened. And when we do, oh, oh, the healing that comes. Because it's a burden, dear one. It's a burden. To hold that anger, all that frustration, all that pain, all that unforgiveness, all that, all that. It's a burden God did not design for you to bear. And the, the, one of the ways that you, you can tell that without much, uh, you know, work is you can see it on people's faces. The weight of those things. You can see it in their eyes. You can see it in the, in, in the, the way their, their, their face is configured, can't you? Sometimes in the way they, their shoulders just slump a little bit as they go through life. The weight of this is, 
But oh, when the Holy Spirit is filling us, that is, that is displaced. There's no room for it. It gets shoved out of our lives. And the truth that God is bigger than all of that. I can thank him. I can thank him, not for, but over everything. And it tra- it's transformative. It's transformative. Finally, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. The fullness of the Holy Spirit removes the poison from our relationships. Submitting to someone means that you yield, you surrender. Now that's tough stuff. Because we are... All of, our, all of our lives, most of us are conditioned by experiences we've had, things we've seen, things we've observed, to be very protective. To keep our space and guard it carefully. And so we don't let people in very easily. Because they, they, they might wound us, they might hurt us, they may take advantage of that. But you see, when I'm, when I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, I don't have to do that. I don't have to protect myself. I don't have to keep you out. I don't have to guard myself against you. I am eternally secure. And the God who made all that is fills my life. What the heck do I have to be afraid of? Nothing. And so in relationships, I can be open to you. We don't have to do this little dance that we always tend to do with other people, especially if we're just uh, meeting them for the first time or not very well acquainted with them. But even far beyond that, in most cases, we do this little dance of kind of, you know, I'm not going to open up too much uh, to you. How much are you going to open up to me? I don't know. And we back, you know, it's this back and forth weird thing that happens. I don't have to do that because I'm not afraid of anything from you. I'm not afraid of you. Tell me, isn't that a better way to live? Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and submitting to one another in the fear of God. That just sounds pretty good to me. And I hope it does to you. Because if it does, I have great news. All of that can be yours and mine.